Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Rose Show, where we discuss the best basketball team in the Northern Hemisphere, your Washington Wizards. Hey, what is up? This is Adam McGinnis. It is November 19th, 2015. It is a warm evening here in the nation's capital, and there is a surprise guest. Uh, what a treat. Uh, he, I don't know if you know him. Uh, I unfortunately, know, I've known him for a while, but... He is live in my studio, which is my bedroom here in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood of, of D.C. Uh, Mr. Truth About It, Kawida. What is up, bro? What is going on? I am here. It's uh, getting near Thanksgiving. I'm wondering what team in the Southern Hemisphere might be better than the Wizards. Um, Mississippi State Bulldogs? <laughs> yeah, close to it. Uh, but no, thanks for having me. It's good, good to be here. Good to be talking some Wizards. They've played I think the least amount of NBA games to date only nine but they are above 500 so you know Wizards fans in context of history cannot complain at this point Um, but they're about to hit up a couple stretches of basketball and so we've got a lot to talk about from um, what they've been doing and where they're going definitely I I don't know how much you've listened to uh, the old podcast but I would I would Sneak some jabs in on you. Uh, deep in the podcast. I'll be like, yeah, Kyle, we'll return my calls. We'll get back to me. You know, some of it was true. Some of it was kind of me embellishing a little bit. But, but I'll, you know, there were some jabs. Every podcast, every guest, I would be like, oh, yeah, Kyle, we'll return my calls. Thank you for returning my calls and text messages. So what? I don't know if you heard uh, me talking shit. I, you know, as my friend Rashad <laughs> knows, when you have a wife, and even Rashad has a wife and a young child, you know, things come up in life where you have to... You know, turn off sometimes. So, no, it's it's funny too. Is that you know, as this team has gotten better, like we agree more on this team. Because yeah. back in the Javel McGee, uh, Andre Blush, Jordan Crawford days, when this team sucked, we uh, knew had a lot, a lot of uh, bitter exchanges, which were you know, I thought friendly. Sometimes people would would observe them. It, why are we? Do we need to be more Kornheiser and and Wilbon, or what is it? Is Stephen A, who I hate, and uh, first take. No, are we, why do we agree more? Can we, we argue? What, what can we argue about? I think where, where our opinions come from are well placed because we may come from different directions, but we both pay attention to a team. While you know, when you're thinking about the other blowhards who argue, they barely pay attention to what they're doing. They're sports generalists and they just sort of take a get a hot take, if you will. The hot take is not it's a new hashtag, but it's just not a new thing when it comes to sports journalism. So when you have to pay attention to everything and be a talking head, that happens sometimes. But you and I aren't that, so we have constructive Disagreements. Arguments. Yes, yes. Disagreements. Yes. You love Jordan Crawford, and yeah. bless his heart, Steve's? he signed to play in China, and Did so he? he will be playing oh, with... I love these um, updates. This is why the people tune in for Jordan Crawford yeah, and China he updates, will right? Be, I, I forgot. I looked up. Jason Maxiel, I believe, is on the team that he's playing that he'll be going to. Um, of course, there's another American on the team. I think they have two, but... Uh, a limit of two, but that's enough. Jordan Crawford. Jordan Crawford. Yes, that's you, your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, go JC uh, Sizzle. Uh, you, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier here. You kind of uh, teased it. Uh, we, we do have a guest. Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, I, yeah, I gave teased. it away. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but, hey, I said, you know, it's foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Uh, uh, Mr. Mobley. Mr. Uh, Rashad Mobley is with us uh, live, uh, also in the nation's capital on Skype. Uh, and he's going to join us for this riveting, yeah. riveting discussion. I think age-wise, he's a dean of the Truth About It. He is a wise man. Yeah, uh, he's well, a dean, Mr. So. Mr. Mobley. Well, what is what is up, bro? What's happening? I, I resent the mention of my age. <laughs> I, I, no, it's just like Randy Whitman did not mention Gortat by name. I did not say any numbers. 
He said Dean. I think he was uh, giving you a backhanded yeah. compliment, maybe? Possibly? I'll take it. <laughs> well, let's talk about these Washington Wizards. Uh, currently, they sit, uh, like you said, you mentioned Kyle, they've only three weeks in the season, only played nine games. They're, they're five and four. It has been up and down. They, they got blown out three games in a row, have now won two in a row. They, Like you mentioned, they played the Pistons on uh, Saturday night. They have big five games over the next uh, seven days starting on Saturday. But before we get into some of that, just start, what is just your feel, your sense, being you had podcast so much about this team before the season started, we had reviewed the summer, went into this, preseason we're doing podcasts, and here we are, we had some real real games, nine in, Kyle, what, what, uh, I, what, what's your thoughts, bro? I think they are, it's, they have struggled, and it's to be expected, but it's sort of fun to see a team try to play a new style, you know, and, and yes, they don't have all the necessary parts um, there are roster developments that we'll talk about, you know, that, that might mean changes or adding different parts that will help the team. Um, and, and plus, they've, you know, there's just some bumps and bruises along the way, which are expected as, as long as nothing major happens. Um, it will be interesting to see this team continue to develop. It's still early, and we really, like, I think they, the cliche mark is the 20-game mark. So I think at the 20-game mark, we'll definitely be checking back to see how this team's been doing. But right now, you have to at least like the new style of play, and you can be encouraged even though there are big issues, especially on the defensive end. Rashad, what, what, what have you seen? What, what have been your takeaways of, of the team so far this season? You know, I have, I have mixed feelings. I think um, it's akin to Tiger Woods when he was – changing his swing and he was he had mediocre results and people from the outside were wondering what the hell are you doing and he was saying this is a process I need to do this and so when I watched him give up all those points or uh, I watched Chris Humphreys act like he's Stephon Marbury you know I don't I try not to get upset because I know it's a process and you have to give them credit for at least trying to play the quote-unquote right way but there are some moments like the other night against Milwaukee when things look fluid and then you have other moments where you're just wondering how the hell is this roster going to thrive and so um, you know and in some cases it's like this is the Wizards of old I mean we're waiting for people to get healthy waiting for people to come back and so we really can't make a full assessment on what this team is going to doing so we're just in a holding pattern so I, I have mixed feelings uh, when Bradley Bill gets back and they go in this stretch of games. I think I'll be able to assess how they are, but right now I just I really don't know. Uh, plus plus one gold star on the uh, Tiger Woods name drop and the Stefan Marbury. Right, Marbury was shot. I, I didn't think you were going there with Tiger. I thought we we're going to end up at a Denny's, uh, possibly a uh, restaurant. Uh, you well, know, I am the dean, so I have to mention players. <laughs> But, but is it what what is the Lauren view so far this season, Kyle? Is there anything that you know, like you said, small sample size, twenty games? But has there been things where you're like, ah, like this could be something foreshadowing something potentially bad in the future, like fundamentally bad, not just like we had a bad night, well, or a bad stretch. Well, one part of it is you have to separate a little bit the pace part of it, like playing faster. They're trying to get used to that. That's where, that's been, pace, right? Yeah, that's been some turnovers. Playing faster doesn't necessarily mean shooting more threes. They're not totally connected, obviously, because but but that's one thing that we saw issue with the offense last year. So yes, they're shooting more three pointers this year, and that's sort of the part I hope they focus more on. I think the playing faster part 
that will that will get better as guys learn to control the ball a little bit more and, and know where each other you know are at in running the lanes down the court. So hopefully that will get better. The issue I'll get back to is the defense. Um, you know, it's it's tough because Humphreys and Gortat traditionally have not been the best defensive combina- combination. And, you know, they can get by, but they rely on a lot from the perimeter players, which, you know, Wall, Beal, and Otto are all very capable. But I still think that exposes a lot on the inside with, you know, today's teams and style of play. Um, and then, you know, Jared Dudley has been playing well off the bench as, as a four, or he's he's getting better. He's not healthy, you know. He he bricked like a, a three at the end of the half of the Bucks game, but he came back and hit like some mid-range shots, hit a couple threes. Oh, so huge shots. I think he's getting in the shape. I'm not, I'm, I'm still caught. The, the big question is who's most appropriate to start at the four spot on this team? And I don't know if it's Humphreys. I don't even know if it's Dudley, although Dudley might be more ideal. He's ultimately a player you like coming off the bench on a, on a very good team. So, the concerning part is how this team is playing a new style with a new definition of the four spot and who they're trying to fit in there. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned the defense. Uh, last year, they're ranked fifth in defensive efficiency. Currently, they're 19th. And I think that actually the Bucks game improved them. I think they've been in the 20th. Uh, and on offense, they're, they've now moved up to 11. And last year, they're 21. And we sat here preseason, me and you sat there like, Okay, how much of the defense can go back? And I think you told me top 10. This defense still had to stay in the top 10. And I know, once again, small sample size. We'll wait for some more. Is this fixable? And what the, what the hell is wrong with Gortat, too? What, what does he, is, you know, you mentioned, you, you made a joke earlier. Tell the people about that. Or was your session of the way women calling him out, one rebound, 27 minutes. It basically was calling Gortat. And Gortat said his check came in. or <laughs> like He didn't call me out, but it yeah. called me out. I don't know. Remind the people what, the, what that whole thing it was I think it was, it wasn't just Gortat's toughness. After OKC game. Yeah, after, OK. you know, a blowout loss to the Thunder. But as the center and the third highest paid player on the team, and the guy who's like, he has to anchor the defense now, and he has to be the communicator. I think there's a lot of expectation that he sets a more physical tone. So when they win, maybe do those things. Yeah, right? Nene does that. Sometimes he's a little bit out of control, especially on on offense. Oh man, on the defensive side. Yeah, yeah but right? but Nene is usually like a guy. He and Gortat, you know, although they had their issues playing together, they they could form a defensive unit because Nene is such a well, good were, sort of communicator. They were fifth because right? of those two dudes, right? Exactly. So, so I think the issue is that it wasn't all Gortat's fault and Randy Whitman is a guy, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't call players a lot. He's not a hothead, although he's, he's Kurt. Um, I think he played to Gortat's pride. This is a guy who, you know, he's on social media a lot, responds to fans, very public guy. And so he wanted to play to his pride a little bit and, See how he would re- respond. So he had good games. Since then, yeah. No, 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 so. no, 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 Rashad. Uh, Randy Women said that he could get one more rebound than uh, twenty-seven minutes. Uh, you're, you're a man. Uh, you, we mentioned you're the dean out here, and you play a little ball. Could you get uh, one rebound in twenty-seven minutes? No, I'm not even gonna act like I can. No. <laughs> However, you know, I will. I will say there've been. You look at the Cavaliers and the way that LeBron and David Blatt tried to kind of strike some fear or a sense of urgency in their team by calling out, not in a specific way, but just generally calling out the team and trying to get them to kind of ratchet up some intensity. And so I can see 
how Randy Whitman would try to do the same thing with Gortat, but I think Gortat is a little too sensitive for that. I mean, even before Whitman called him out, on after a win, he was complaining kind of tangentially about the lack of shots and not getting a lot of shots and having to make the most unlimited opportunities. So I don't know if Whitman can really play that card with Gortat, but, you know, I, I do think that you know, with Nene not in there, he really doesn't have that excuse of not getting shots and not feeling comfortable. I mean, he's commented about, well, he hasn't, but Wall specifically has commented that Gortat should be playing better. He has more room to roam. He has more room to roll. And so, you know, I don't I don't really know uh, what, what the best tactic is to get him motivated. But clearly, in spots against Milwaukee, he looked like the old Gortat. He was spry. He was moving around. So, you know. Rashad, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What percentage would you say is Gortat settling for those sort of, he loves that baseline fadeaway jumper. Gortat just sort of settling for jumpers versus what percent is it that the Wizards sort of need to set him up a little bit more and run the pick and roll. It feel, I feel like they, they run a lot of perimeter play and maybe they post him up. That's not his game. They need to get him the ball and the move. So what, what percent is him just settling versus the Wizards needing to set him up better? No, they definitely need to set him up. I think we, we saw last year in the first quarter when Wall would make a concerted effort to get Gortat the ball in the first quarter that it just it energized him the rest of the game. And in the last game, you know, he didn't he didn't really do that as much. He was getting uh, Porter uh, some easy shots. But I, that's a good point, Kyle. I think when Wall makes a concerted effort, like he's done with Nene in the past, to get Gortat the ball early and often. It, it feels different than when the Bulls used to get Luke Longley and Bill Winnington, just all the shots they could handle in the first quarter. It kind of gets everyone started. But, yeah. you know, that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. There are other people uh, like Porter who also need to get started. So, yeah. Well, it seems to me that the, that the offense will, you know, hopefully as this adjustment period will come around. And I got some, you know, there's a few things I'm troubled about with personnel. But this defense system, still, what, what, God, what is up with this defense? Like, those three blowout losses, your thoughts after those, what is, is it just, you know, they have played better the last few games against the Magic and the Bucks. I don't know how much that is competition. But what is happening out there compared to, to last? Is it, because I don't think they should not be this bad defensively, I don't think. Yeah, I, I just still think it's, they're just trying to get used to one, playing a new style, and, Better offense in this case does help the defense. We, we've even seen Randy yes, Whitman yes. make. I wrote quotes. that today. I wrote yeah, that I today. remember, like you know, we, last year we you talked about the offense, offense, and Randy Whitman would say, "Hey, it starts with defense." And then there's been a period this year where he said, "Well, you got to play, you know, not turn the ball over, play better offense, make shots to set your defense up." So, um, still, it's it's just an adjustment period. I think they will be fine. I think Gortat just needs to step up and be more of that anchor again. Going back to him as. as the, the five spot, uh, he needs to be a little bit more of an anchor, and maybe Chris Humphreys needs to improve a little bit more as well. Uh, Rashad, last night, uh, Wall mentioned uh, in the locker room that they went back to basics. Uh, Dudley did as well and said that they stopped switching, they stopped icing. He also said black, too. Is that another word for icing? Uh, yeah. I think so, right? And and he, he like, we just went to the straight defense. What are your thoughts of, about what Wall said, and how much do you think? Did you you saw? I mean, I thought their defense last night was really good, especially with Temple and Porter and Wall. You could see how they would harass the perimeter. Milwaukee's a little short-handed, but 
And it, that generated the offense, got them out in, in fast break, Randy, for Randy Whitman, what you were saying. Your thoughts on the defense uh, and, and going back to this basic thing already nine games into the season. Or... Mr. It, it didn't feel like basics to me. I mean, there were, if you watch, there were several occasions where Wall was almost pressuring 94 feet and throwing off Michael Carter-Williams. And, you know, it, it felt a little more gimmicky than it did basic. And even with, as well as they were playing defensively, there were stretches where they just got completely lazy. There were no closeouts. They weren't getting any rebounds. And Milwaukee would just go on these little mini runs that kept them in the game. So even though overall though they only held them to, what, 86 points, it, it looked good, there were still stretches where, whether it was the bench or the starters, they just got lazy on offense. They weren't making shots, so they weren't playing as hard on defense. They weren't closing out. And so I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that they were focused in stretches. They were running in stretches. But overall, I, I still think there will be problems against teams that, frankly, don't miss as many shots and don't give them those opportunities. So I didn't – you know, it, it was frustrating to sit there once Wall went out and to just watch them not close out at all, to not rotate on defense. And, you know, I'm sure the bench got the same instructions to get back to basics, but I, I, I didn't see that. So I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that. I, th- I thought Porter and Tipple did real well in the passing lanes and in, 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 in limiting, uh, you know, the the windows of av- opportunity for for Milwaukee. Kyle, I think the other thing too has been, you know, as we talk about the the offense and the defense, and we're going into this holistic things, and you know, stay with us, and we're going to talk more some fun stuff. But Wall's turnovers and, and, and his turnover rate. I think Troy wrote something on uh, Truth About It the other day that he's his turnover rate. I think is almost the, one of the highest he's had in his career. And and I talked to Jake Whitaker when he was on uh, the show with me a couple ep- episodes ago. And it's one of these things where you know high usage players have high turnovers, right? It's always LeBron and Curry and you know Kobe when Kobe was you know not the corpse that he is now. So you, you know, I always be like, oh, hey, don't worry too much about the turnovers. But sometimes some of these turnovers, and I think you find one. I think you have. Did you have one where you find where you just like threw, or I think maybe Bulls Forever did, where they just you just threw it to the other team. Like they're like they're not actually like there's like, there's there a level of carelessness I've seen out of John this year. Maybe once again, small sample size and relatively, but it's been different. Am I am I making too much of this, or what is what have you, your thoughts? No, I mean, you're right. His his turnovers per 36 minutes, 4.7 a share. Just looked it up. Thanks, Internet. Uh, career high. And, yeah, there's just been some careless ones. The, the one that stands off, out to me was late against the Hawks. And one time, you know, he was taking the ball in and out. No one was back, but he had time to wait. And he just sort of threw up like a Hail Mary. And it was very odd. And then all, the Wizards sort of – that really – uh, turned the game around where the Hawks won won in Atlanta. So, um, well, it's weird because it's not like a tight window, right? Like so he's trying to yeah. make this like tight window cross pass, and he, he gets picked off. It's like you're just throwing it to their team for some reason. Like, yeah, it's know. it's been a little bit odd to see that, but then you see Wall make these oh. amazing passes, like <laughs> against the Bucks. He had that one where oh. it was he and Gortat like making a play, and there are three Bucks around two of them, and he sort of like. Did a hesitation move, made spacing, made this oh, beautiful bounce he sees pass. Where the defense is I moving. mean, he's still a good passer, and you can notice that's a big difference when Ramon Sessions comes in. Ramon yeah. Sessions can attack the rim like Wall, but he's not as refined of a passer. And I think we don't appreciate Wall's passing enough. The turnovers are concerning, but what I'm almost more concerned about is like 
he he takes some of the worst three point shots sometimes. <laughs> like he hits some at the end of the Bucks game, but yeah. sometimes he just sort of throws one up and it doesn't. He He's like, oh, I should come, shoot it. Yeah, right. yes, because they're they're shooting more threes, and so and someone will have you oh, say it's my like, turn to shoot it. Right? Well, or yeah, that. someone will say it's better for Wall to shoot some sort of open three, and I get that. But uh, if you look at his mechanics, I still feel like he's comfortable from that spot, and he's shooting twenty seven percent so far, twenty seven and a half percent, and he's a How career. Many, what's it, what's it, what, like? What's his attempt? He's he a career thirty percent shooter, but he's attempting four point eight shots per thirty six minutes. That's like a career high. T- attempting more threes year, than like, he ever had. Let's just go to his threes. This is a very meta conversation because yeah, we, he started. He started. No, he started his rookie year, made a bunch of threes. I remember in Atlanta actually on Halloween, made a bunch of threes, and then we know he didn't make any threes. Got all criticized. Then his yeah. then his three pointers improved. I remember his all star year to thirty percent. Yeah, and then last year he didn't shoot any threes. It was bad, and now he's shooting more than he's ever shot. Right? Yeah, and his shot still so, doesn't look comfortable at all. Right. Yeah. So I think you know. He's still growing as a player himself. I mean, he's Wall's been great, All Star now two times, but he's still trying to figure it out. So that I would say the turnovers are something that I would feel like they would work out a little bit more like easy, easier than than the three point shot and what he's doing with that. We'll it, see. It's funny because uh, me and Rashad had this exact conversation together during the Bucks game, and and it's you can almost tell when he gets the ball. Like, immediately if it's going to go... Like, it may be going in, but I know for sure when it's not going in. It's like this hitch that comes down. And I don't know if he's, like... After that one shooting coach that one summer, I thought all that was better. And his, his mid-range game, he doesn't have that hesitation at all. I mean, it's obviously not a fluid thing that you would teach, but it's there's a confidence. Yeah. But now when it gets at this, this like weird set shot that sometimes if he goes all the way in one motion, it has a chance. But if he doesn't do that, there's a hitch. It's, like, game over. Rashad, do you remember this conversation? I do, but in fairness... Talking about John in the threes, a lot of times he'll take a three after he'll feel like, you know, he'll make a couple of nice passes and he'll get everyone else set up and he'll make a couple of drives and it's almost like he set the dude up or something. Check. Well, he'll see, okay, I'm getting everybody else involved. I'm making nice passes. My mid range game is going. Let me just see if I can hit this three. And like you said, Adam, it always looks like he's like, okay, should I drive or should I take this? No, let me take the three. And it, it, it always comes off. But when he has. Had has time to set his feet and shoot it. It it looks pretty. It's no different than Garrett Temple. He's not really the kind of player who can come off screens and consistently hit threes. But you can tell when he has his feet set and he hits it. It looks good. So I don't I don't mind when John takes a three because it's usually the result of about five or six plays where he's done everything a point guard is supposed to do. And you can't really be mad at that. He's not quite like the other turnover machine, uh, Russell Westbrook, who will come down and just take a three and hit it and you live with it or hit or miss it and you live with it because you know he's doing, you know, he's basically doing the lion's share of the scoring with Durant out. So I'm not really mad with Wall for taking the occasional three and missing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's different. Well, transition, I think the, the last the last transition to me, the, the takeaway to this, and we've mentioned the Humphreys, we've mentioned the Dudley, and to me, it's what's this identity of this team right now? And it's obviously, like you said, once again, Rashad, we're waiting for Allen Anderson to come back. You know, Webster now is out for the year, which we'll get to later. You know, we're waiting for Dudley's back to get better. Now Beal is out, so now we're getting Beal to come back. I don't know. What, what is, is it? 
is this just too soon to even have an identity at all? Is there the fact that there is an identity? I sh- there should be a sense of alarm or panic and bullshit. No, no, message there, should go should go nuts. There is definitely an answer to that question, and Mr. Mobley makes a good point about Wall kind of deserves to try that three point shot out because we he can hit him. He just needs to be more strategic. But the the identity is John Wall. I mean, they built, you know, they they draft this this point guard no great passer so fast and you need to put three-point shooters around him and the team was almost delayed in doing that they finally have uh, and we've granted been this for years yeah, yeah. granted there you know it's not well, all Evans and Curry Martin weren't, weren't the answers who knows um was Kirk Heinrich the answer maybe it, it got us Steve, Kevin Serif in life in yeah. DC so no but the point is it it, it all is about it, the identity is Wall. Now it's not all on him. There are a lot of other parts that come together. But if this team has an identity, it's it's to run with him and to shoot that three-point shot. And I guess we just get back to it's how interesting it is to watch them try to make this transition and it how quickly it could be successful. But but I think that's piggybacking to my concern of that they're trying to play small and shoot more threes, especially at the four position, right? And they're waiting for Dudley to be the man. And I think that he has shown a few times here and there. I don't know why I talked this shit to Cormel in the Knicks game. That pissed me off. I didn't even know about that quote. And 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 you have Humphreys out there, you know, out there trying. He's hustling, trying hard. But his dribble drive, no. Orlando game notwithstanding, he had an amazing, awesome game. But I don't want Chris Humphreys driving to the hoop. I don't think good things are going to happen. I don't well, think sustainable. Well, I, I hear you. Let's be honest. Humphreys and Dudley. So? No, it's not. But this is, they have a decent roster. They, they can that? compete in East. You, we have to just take it back a little bit. Humphreys right. and Dudley are a band aid for ultimately having you know the yeah. the four the four men that they really want to have. You know, if we want to go to that, so you just <laughs> mentioned um, yes. Rashad just mentioned Westbrook, so yeah. I think we do have to transition to the Thunder. But I, what I'm saying is that you know that those two guys are are sort of a band aid. So it's you have to take adjust what sort I mean, of expectations. And they're both transitioning to... Chris, Chris Humphreys is really trying to transition to a new role. Nine games so far. I agree. Rashad, what we just said about the four spot, and, and I feel like I'm just like beating a dead uh, a drum here with this four spot, but it just seems like it's very glaring, especially with Drew Gooden out there. They did a good job by burying him on the bench. I think that was uh, a good move by Whitman. Well, I give, I give Humphreys credit for trying to prevent this game, but... If he could just stick to shooting threes and not trying to dribble drive, I would give him more credit. It's, I mean, I, I know I get on my high horse on Twitter, but if you look at the amount of times Humphreys dribbles and then drives, turns the ball over, and it starts just a laundry list of turnovers and a run for the other team, it, it's happened several times. And I, I, I don't understand why. You can still be a stretch four, but you, just, you don't have to dribble. You can pass the ball. You can work it around the perimeter. You can shoot threes. So I think that that's what frustrates me. But you know, I guess I'm supposed to feel better because in the year, and I'm not to jump ahead, but we may or may not get KD. But I, I, I don't think Humphreys is the answer. Humphreys is not. He just never looks comfortable in that role. He's like a guy dancing, counting in his head all the steps that are coming up. Like he's overthinking, and it, it's it's just frustrating. And I think that ultimately Jared Dudley would be better, but Jared Dudley is in the Paul Pierce category where if you play him 30 minutes a night, too many nights in a row, he's going to wear down. And it defeats the purpose of getting him anyway because you have him for the postseason. So 
we'll just kind of have to suffer through Humphreys and maybe when Anderson comes back, you'll see Porter at the four occasionally. I don't know, but it's just going to be a hot spot until next season when we do or do not KB. Still, if someone could just tell Humphreys not to drill, that would make everybody's life easier. I agree, and what a hell of a segue that both of you did, too, because the next topic on our list is the uh, the favorite hashtag of everyone in uh, the DMV, the KD to DC. Last week, what a dud. I've already talked about this on the podcast, but I haven't had you two on, so I need your thoughts because, you know, you're, you're my people. And early this year, and, 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 you know, I've embraced the Kevin Durant more because I finally have just, just gave up because it's actually at the end of the year and we've had the same thing over and over. So I've always been, I've hedged both ways. I'm not going to, you know, yell at people for getting excited, but I'm also not going you know, to be like, oh, my God, it's going to be the best thing ever. Kyle, what, what was your thoughts? You were there. What a dud. Beal... He gets hurt. Beal doesn't play. The whole hoopla, you know, all the pixels the Washington Post uh, sent out uh, end up uh, kind of not really producing much. And, you know, what's up, Stein Sandberg? I know you're not listening. What are your, your thoughts? You were there in the arena, the experience. What was it like? I know you've been to ones in the past. I've uh, It's the first time I haven't been there in three years with Kevin. But It was, you know, I was most surprised by the lack of just crowd, even and even people there for game time, and it was like what a Tuesday night or no Tuesday night, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And you know, it was sort of rainy, I guess, or maybe like you know, DC fans are finicky like that. But I was most surprised that people weren't there, first of all. And then part of it is a sign of how how much people were excited about Bill after a shot against the Spurs. Like these yes, sort of yeah. like people are recognizing Bill as as an up and comer now. And it was the and, first home game since that shot, right? Yeah, yeah, and people were a little bit deflated. Like I have, uh, you know, one of my, I saw running into a friend before the game that I used to play basketball with, and he brought his son, and I almost you know expected. Uh, well, well, Dan Shanoff from the yeah, internet, yeah, you know, yeah. his son is a big Oklahoma City yeah. fan, like, you know, okay, I can't blame him, Westbrook and Durant were good, but, uh, so I ran into my friend, and his son was, like, actually a Beal fan, and he had, like, you know, uh, the, the Beal jersey, uh, and it's yeah. like, you see this, he was actually if, bummed that Beal wasn't playing, yeah, right? he was, you know, so <laughs> that, that, I think that deflated the arena a little bit when, you know, it was determined that he would not play. And then Durant, uh, you Quartz know, with Michael Lee. I think there's maybe a little backlash to that potentially, or you know, not backlash, but like, oh, Kevin, you're so awesome. And Kevin's like, well, hey. yeah, he said the thing about like it disrespectful for them cheering for him. Yeah. And the the thing is, like, the amount of people he he was booed a couple times, and only in the first quarter when he touched the ball. And the amount of people who did that like were probably like minority. less than fifteen yes. percent. You know, even if oh, that night that might be generous, but because boos can be loud by just from a couple people. Yeah. Right, so that was the amount of people on the internet you would expect to pay attention to that. Yeah. That's why I was still surprised by there wasn't more crowd there to, to cheer on like both Wizards and Durant. But yeah, it, after he hurt his hamstring, went out at halftime, it like deflated and the entire was, arena. Yeah, Waiters took the over. Wizards, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just a weird game, and the Wizards didn't. You know, I think uh, the home crowd wanted the Wizards to win that game, yeah. and they they just didn't play well. So it was. Uh, you know, it's just interesting how it's built up so much and could be his last, you know, trip to D.C. as a member of the Thunder. I mean... We're, we're going to so, get into that. Rashad, what uh, was your thoughts on this this early uh, KD to D.C.? You know, it reminded me of the episode of Mad Men when they thought they were going to get an airline and everyone 
they put on their best and they worked really hard and they found out about five minutes before they were supposed to meet with the airline that they had lost it to another uh, ad agency but they still had to put on a good face and show up and go through the motions and I think great reference great reference you know it shouldn't be about me it should be about your team you know to me and to you and to Kyle maybe it wasn't a big deal but to fans they see that and maybe they're like Maybe he doesn't want us. Maybe he doesn't want us here. And so those comments combined with Bill not playing, it took a lot of the air out of the game. And it was very, there was no room for error. So when Durant gets hurt and then um, the game doesn't go the way you think it should and then Russell Westbrook just takes over and then, like you mentioned, Deion Waiter, it it was just totally deflating and it was like, Okay, this game is over at halftime, and we still have to go through with it. And it was it was a little disappointing. And you know, I talked to a lot of casual fans, a lot of people I work with, and the takeaway from that game for them is Katie's not coming in, and it's not based on anything rational or anything that they necessarily. None, none of this is rational. It was like, okay, before the game, he acted like he really didn't want to be here. He played for a half, then he didn't show up. He didn't look enthusiastic. He's not coming here, and. That's not a very educated opinion to make, but, you know, it just, it was very anticlimactic. And if you are a KD to DC enthusiast, what have you seen over the past, not just that game, but over the past two, three weeks to make you feel any semblance of confidence that KD is coming here? So I just felt like it was very deflating. He can put on all the Redskins gear he wants on Twitter, and it just, it, it felt like there was some degree of finality. And to Kyle's point, even if you wanted to forget about KD and kind of put your face and be on wall, one half of that combination wasn't there. The other half didn't particularly play well. And so, I mean, it was, it was just it was just bad all the way around. And it wasn't exactly something that you can hang your hat on as a Wizards fan or as a KD to DC enthusiast. So. No, I think it's weird too. It's like going back to your said, Kyle, about how there wasn't people there. Like, I have a lot of people who are like, oh, the NBA started? Yeah. <laughs> like, people are like, really? Yeah. Like, the basketball started already? <laughs> like, your average person who's like, you know, not people like us or people, even, they're like, oh, wow, it started already. Like, people that were like, should have been stuff. in February. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah, then he, so I think there's some element of that, like, where he's going to get that mainstream people be like, oh, God, the Thunder are coming in in January, in December, and this weekend. Instead, it's like, wow, a Tuesday, two weeks in, in November after Halloween, and people are, you know, it's still kind of nice out a little bit. And, and that's weird. I, the thing about just the whole Kevin Durant hoopla is that it's just the thirst, right? I kind of it's always been your main complaint about this. It's just this thirstness. And I think Durant addressed that thirstness, right? And then there was a reaction to two ways. I don't think anyone was a negative in Durant, but I had people be like, oh man, we're fucking it up, man. Like, I had all these fans who'd be like, after this concert, like, dude, we're pushing him away. Like all these Wizards fans, this enthusiast are like, and I'm like, I don't know if it's like that. I don't think it's going to come down to that. But that was their emotional, visceral reaction. And, and I, I feel that. How, why do you uh, even think that you way? Know, I will I will say not at all, like in terms of the Wizards doing damage to themselves. The one thing I'll say about Durant is he said the right thing the whole way. Yes. He, he is committed to Oklahoma City. They could be a good team. They, they might, they're going to compete in the tough West. But he's also just left the door open. He, he's going to try free agency. But e- even, 
you know, I can't be even mad at him for saying the disrespectful part because that that it's true. kind of it's true. Yeah, though, I mean, right? it, it it actually is the a nod. Part, the it actually parts. is a nod of respect to Wall and Beal. So again, Durant has said the right thing the whole way, and I have to respect that out of anything that any of the hoopla that he's sort of is a person who knows who what he's doing, yeah. and he's just obviously a great player. So, you know, he doesn't even know at this point. We'll see. Well, like, maybe, like, you go to your job, and every day someone was just like, I'm not like, yo, man, you going to get no job? You going to go somewhere else? You going to go back home? You going to do this? You going to do this? And you're like, yo, can I just chill? <laughs> can I just have a coffee? And he knows they're coming, and he has yeah. always said the right things, but it's just weird because it's like he has his job, he's getting paid, and I get the speculation game. Here, we're talking about it here on the internet, or right here on the podcast and you're going to listen to what we say and I think that and so I'm just I'm looking at it through the eyes of Kevin Durant how he can be frustrated by this and I thought that his quotes were this frustration through through this eyes of like yeah, go respect Wall and Beal right here's what you said like if someone's asking you nagging you about a job that sounds like a family member and DC <laughs> is Durant's hometown so a lot of teams want Durant like he's like DC is not the only team that is like city that yes. has said, like, we want you, and the oh, fans yeah. have done that. So there's there's like, something about it being hometown that yes. it, that makes this, that magnifies it. And LeBron. If it wasn't yeah. for LeBron, I don't think the attention, ESPN would not be leading with this, right? Yeah. They, right? If it wasn't for the decision and LeBron going back to Cleveland, I don't think that this would be a story, maybe. But speaking of, like, the hometown thing, Rashad, I don't know if you saw the article of this dude. I went off on a whole Twitter rampage about it. Some guy that worked at his, and it's not even, what's the guy's name? It's like pork chop or stretch or some some dude who's basically at the Christian Academy that, that Durant played at before he went to uh, Montrose. Okay. And the one dude who's the cousin or brother of the guy that Durant actually likes, and I forget his nickname. because Roommates, it's, uncles. No, but it's some bookie ball kind of nickname, and I, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, and... This guy's like, whoa, you want the real Kevin Durant? He hasn't done nothing for me. He hasn't done nothing for me. And he writes this whole article in the Washington Post. Basically, this guy's just bitching about how Kevin Durant has never done anything for him. But yet, was this David Smith? It was, no, some local kept his hand out, man. And it's like some dude. Wait, wait, this is in the Washington Post? Yes. I, I don't know if you saw the article. I but Yeah. No, and I was, so I went off on a whole Twitter rant about it. And basically, I was like, there's probably a reason Kevin Durant's not giving this cat money. You know what I mean? Like, he knows he's probably a hustler. He's probably a Bama that we mentioned, that, that we'll mention here in a little bit. And, and, and it's like, gosh, like, once again, like, does he want to come back and do what these, like, people kind of, you know? Then again, my other take is like, I don't know if, you know, being a black man in Oklahoma City, uh, I don't know if I want to live there with, you know, the president shows up in Confederate flags and banning hoodies and Sharia law. And I, I don't think his mom and dad, uh, or not his dad, his, his mom, his brother, and his grandma don't really want to live there. I don't know how much that is in take. I think it comes down to basketball-wise. Rashad, talk to me. KD, your thoughts, him realistically, you seem very uh, sullen uh, about him ever coming back home. Uh, uh, you. I mean, honestly speaking, if I were him, I, I, I wouldn't come back home because, like, I, and I forget, our favorite friend, Tony Kornheiser, brought this up. You know, LeBron... I mean, you're, you're, fit, you're boy, your boy, your boy. Akron. He was drafted by the team he grew up in, so he didn't really have a choice. He embraced it, and he left to kind of have the experience that KD had his first few years in the league, and then he saw what was out there, won a title, and now his mission is to come back and win a title. I don't think KD has that same 
obligation. He wants to make sure he avoids a bad basketball situation. And I think he's he's very loyal. And I think that he's going to wait to see what Russell Westbrook does and what happens with OKC. And after all that, all those options are exhausted. I don't think that he's going to look at D.C. and say, okay, this is where I want to go. I, ironically enough, I don't think it has anything to do with the team. I think it just has to do with it, the headache. There's a lot. I mean, Adam, you t- talked about Greg Monroe. Uh, I asked you, did you talk to him before the game? And he was like, no, he was filling out tickets. Well, I've seen him before a game before. Just having, he can't talk to the media. He can't properly stretch. He has to fill out ticket requests. And that's just for one game. I can only imagine what KD has to deal with from ticket requests to, hey, man, you said you would give me this ticket. It's just, it's a lot. And by the time you get on the court, you've had to deal with so much bullshit that are you really going to want to deal with that every night? And so I, you know, and I'm, maybe I'm cynical, which, you know, I don't see him wanting to go through that. I see him wanting to kind of hitch his wagon to Russell Westbrook or whatever OKC does, and then he's going to broaden the search. And like you, like you said, Kyle, I don't think he's looking at OKC, the Wizards are bust. I think he's going to be looking at L.A. He's going to be looking at the Knicks. He's going to do the full tour. And I, I just, I'm, I'm just very cynical. I haven't seen any hint that he's considering the Wizards, and maybe that's by design. Maybe he doesn't want to play his, play his hand at all. But I, I don't, I don't see it. So you, you're saying that in, in this, you make a lot of valid points, but, and this is something we don't know either, is the importance of when, like, bringing a championship to D.C., because, you, like you said, this guy grew up... People Washington. love him here. Like, he grew up, he knows the Redskins, you know, they, like, he knows what a title would mean to D.C. Do you think that, ultimately, in his mind, will weigh less than having to deal with, like, you know, cats who want tickets and, you know, hang you know, like, that, right? do you think that will be, I'm, I'm interested to see which would weigh on him more. I mean, if bringing the title to D.C. will be important if he wins, like, if they win this year in Oklahoma City, I could see him saying, okay, that's off my bucket list, now let me go home and do it, much, much like LeBron, I mean, he won a title somewhere else. To win a title in Cleveland would be nice, and it would be the greatest story ever, but it's not going to define his legacy because he already has a couple on his back pocket. But if he does not win this year and he has to – he's not going to come here to win his first title and to win a title for D.C. He's going to look at where can I go to win that title. So – and maybe I'm not – maybe I have no faith in the home team. I'm sorry – Listening audience, but maybe yeah, yeah, love killing all the KD to DC love. Let LeBron title whoever else is the key to him getting a title. I just don't know that he thinks that way. No, that's so. Wait, wait, just to be clear, a LeBron title to Cleveland would be the greatest story ever. (laughs) Okay, you laugh, but when it would be a good story. I a player who grew up in a city and did what LeBron did left in such a way that was just really shitty and then came back and was embraced as if he wasn't as if he didn't fuck everybody over well also all of all of Cleveland sports they have two things Ohio State in the movie series Major League and that's all Cleveland professional sports has and Ohio State is a professional sport by the way 
<laughs> Rashad, you basically have said that uh, Duran is not coming and, and LeBron's the best ever. Do you know our audience? Oh, my oh, chance? Oh. I, didn't, I, didn't say it was I just said, him going back, he wins the title in Cleveland this year. That is one of the, okay, let me, let me rephrase it. It's, it's one of the best feel good stories. There we go. Hey, there we go. Okay. No, no, he's well, not the best ever. Oh, hold on. Okay. I will not feel good. I will not ever. feel good if it's a I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm just giving you shit, dude. Uh, no, no, what the guy say? The the what do you call him? The whore of Akron. And now he's like his best boy again. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, uh, Scott Rabb yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like, he wrote a book called The Whore of Akron, and, and, and now he's like can't now wait for him to give him a title, right? Because they're so they're so right. thirsty in Cleveland too. But before to finish up the KD thing, is that the is it the thing that the new the new talking point that I've heard from multiple people. Is that they think maybe we're gonna have to do this all over again one more one more time? That Durant will just take a one year deal, and now him and Westbrook will explore their options at the same time. Your thoughts? Are we gonna have to do this, Kyle? I want you to start. Do we have to do this all over again? And what? We, you know, granted, so Durant would be giving up the guaranteed money, right, to go on a long, uh, shorter term deal, which is a risk with his injuries, but he's still the greatest. He's still freaking one of the top players in the world. I don't know. It's been a foot. I think he's okay. It's not like it's like a knee or Achilles. But there's a risk involved. If you were advising him, would you advise him to do that? Or and do you think that this will happen? Or how much is that? Is that just a contrarian hot take that, that's out there? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You, you make an interesting point with the injuries. He may opt for the comfort of, of just getting a contract now. Um, I do feel like if I would to guess, I'd say there's a 55% chance, so slightly greater than half of him signing something short term that allows him flexibility. Well, LeBron think, is done, right? Yeah, yeah, I think flexibility is, you know, a key part of this as well. So, um, in we've seen things in sports can change so quickly. I mean, it. So it, we'll see what happens with the Thunder. I mean, it, a lot of it. We don't even know whether them winning a championship, like Rashad said, would would maybe steer him back to DC, or if them not winning a championship would keep him in, you know. I can't. Doing that I, I can tell you, beat so, that beat that question over and over and over. Yeah. Nobody really knows. Rashad, what do you think about uh, Durant, KD to DC hashtag for another for another year, no, another time? Do you, do you think that's a possibility, and what kind of risk would would KD have? I, I think. What was it a month ago? or maybe not even that long ago, when LeBron was asked about KD to D.C., and he basically said, I'm not talking about it. If KD wants to call me, he can. <laughs> I think that KD has called him. I think he's noticed that LeBron has the mind state, I'm never signing a long-term deal again. I'm going to sign short-term deals, kind of survey the lay of the land, what my team is doing, what the other members of the NBA are doing, and then go from there. And I could see Durant doing the same thing. I mean... I think we all know that the Carmelo model of signing long-term deal and taking the money, it's just not the way to go. You want to give yourself some flexibility, and I mean, I, I, I don't blame him. So I I am of the school that he'll sign a one-year deal, but wait for that good TV money to kick in, and he'll decide where he wants to go, how long he wants to go there, and we could be dealing with this. Just like with LeBron and Wade, I think you're going to see that trend where all these players are going to sign two years with the third-year option or one year, they're going to sign short-term deals to give themselves flexibility. And I think that KD is not um, 
I think he's been paying attention to what LeBron and others have been doing, so we could go through this, and we could be jilted for years on end. Wow, it sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of dating my dating life in 2015, a lot of, a lot of teasing, you know, a, lot, a lot of past baggage I've been dealing with. Uh, just you know, a, a personal hot take for those involved, especially those you know those multiple girls who are not listening. Uh, a, a segue, uh, what a segue that is uh, for for the people. Bucks game. Any funny things you you you? Does it first mean you covered a game? I have a couple funny stories I want I want to share. Rashad, do you have anything funny for the people? You know, we're in the locker room around these players. Right. I mean, I wrote about it, but the the Oubre story was, was very interesting to me because after a victory, typically players, if they get the day off, aren't they're looking forward to it and they're you know, just looking forward to doing their own thing. And I just noticed that Oubre just kept saying, "I need to get that tape. Can I get that tape tomorrow?" And I don't, I don't know the video guy's name, but the guy was like, can I just get it to you on Thursday? You know, we're, you'll be back here for practice. And Oubre just kept pushing him and pushing him. And, you know, I just, clearly he wasn't doing it for the media because there just weren't enough media in the room for him to be really be paying attention. They were all at the Georgetown Maryland game. And he just kept talking and talking. And there was one point where the video guy went back in the back room and I saw Gary Bull and Gary Neal say, look, I understand that you're young and you think you can do this, this, and that, but take the rest. Look at the tape on Thursday. And I just, I was struck by that because, you know, you hear him on draft night and you see him on media day say, I want to be the best I can be and I'm willing to do whatever's possible, you know, whatever's necessary. And that sounds nice, but sometimes those are just sound bites. You don't often see behind the scenes what they say and what they do don't match up. And when I saw that, I was, I was just struck by it. I was like, you know, this kid, he played, I think he played about four or five minutes in the fourth quarter, and he looked pretty good. He but, put some buckets in, man. You know, I'm sure he saw some things that he did not do, and he wanted to fix them right then and there. And so I, I had a lot of respect. I didn't have respect for him for trying to turn off the Maryland-Georgetown game, the last Kansas game. But I, I respected the fact that he wanted to get better right then and there, that kind of urgency. At least I don't see a lot of Wizards young players not named John Wong. So I had a lot of respect for that. It, it, I think it was Don Zierden, the assistant coach, and he was trying to get with a, another guy to come in, and they were going back and forth, and, and the coach basically was like, no, take the day off, and then he was like, no, I'll come in tomorrow. You know, as a 19-year-old kid, he goes to the club and, and all this, but it's funny because it was not just Ubre, it was Drew Gooden wanted to put that Kansas game. They kept asking me to put that Kansas-Michigan State game on, and then, and the game had got pushed back because the Duke and Kentucky game had, had, had gone longer, and, and it was funny is that so then all of a sudden uh, Ubre my, my funny story is Ubre he looks over to Gary Neal and he's like hey he asked him how to uh, put his put his boots on and so he wants advice he's like hey how do you put your boots on like, <laughs> how do you, how do you put them in and so then so then he's literally like he's like wants like this isn't like yo how do you wear your boots it's just like he's looking at his like older brother or uncle or dad for like help and then Gary Neal's like. Man, you got those skinny jeans, dog. Man, you got those skinny jeans, man. You can't really lace all those boots all the way up like I wear them. He's like, I'm too old to wear those jeans like he wear them. And then Kelly's like, Oh yeah, you're right, man. You're right. <laughs> That's the thing. Once I heard skinny jeans, I tuned out. I didn't listen to anything else. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. The Drew Gooden. Uh, the, the funniest, another funny story is that they were talking about the Spurs days at Temple and Neil and and Drew Gooden about you know getting in home late and having to tape up early. That's what you were talking about with Ubre. And all of a sudden, I don't know where Gary Neal was like, 
oh, Scott Skiles, we went to Bucks, right? It's like, oh, he had you behind the bench. He buried you so hard that they had to put you behind the bench. <laughs> Good. And then there was because the Bucks uh, reporter was in, was in there. And that was, that was a really funny story. And, and you know, I, I think that you're right. I think Kelly uh, Kelly did some things, got some buckets there late night. It's, touch, a little hot take on Kelly. What have you seen? Um, I think his, his three-point shot is refreshingly fluid. And we, we sort of saw that in Summer League. Like, he he does tend to go straight up and down for the most part. Uh, you know, he has a nice follow-through. So that's, that has shown out in his play so far. And he continues to, to hound guys and, and sort of pick up, you know, he bothers ball handlers and he can pick up deflections or steals when he's really tuned in. So I, I think... Again, we're, we're, we'll always sort of revisit Ubre versus Bobby Portis for a little while now, but you can't, maybe it's one of those things you can't go, you couldn't go wrong with either player, although Portis would be more of a rebounder type, a big man that the Wizards don't have, but um, you have to like what you've seen out of Ubre. Well, it's funny too with, with uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at another uh, Kansas one and done player who kind of was underwhelming from his hype. That now is bawling the hell out of the NBA, Mr. Mr. Wiggins up in Minnesota. And, and when I remember about Wiggins, and I'm, I, I don't think that their game is compared, but just this Bill Self system in college, and they'd be like, everyone's just all hammering. I was like, once he gets with athletes and gets out and running, I think it's going to be different. And Wiggins made it happen. I'm not saying like that is going to happen to Ubre. Yeah, it's right. different than Ubre. I know, but like, whereas I feel like Ubre's athleticism that you can see that he like belongs in the NBA. When I can figure yes. it out is another thing down the road, but he has gifts that you just don't... He seems like a teach, big right? little dude, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like, he's, you can look at him, and he sort of reminds me of one of my friend's sons. I went and watched him play basketball. I was, like, six years old, and just sort of, you know, he just ran up and down the court, and he's just happy to be doing that. And Ubre reminds me of him a little bit, but he's a big guy. Yeah, no, he's really tall. And I think he has a really good attitude, you know, especially at 19. Shit, man, 19, man, I was going to Keggers. Yeah. Trying to get fake IDs, going to bars, man. This, guy, this guy's getting millions of dollars trying to, trying to be better with the coach. We'll go to one final topic. Uh, yesterday it was announced uh, Martel Webster is going to take the, uh, the surgery and basically probably pretty much end his season. There is a, maybe a chance that he could come back, I guess, in March and April, but that looks extremely doubtful. He has an option uh, for next year that is partially guaranteed. There is now talk that there is an exemption, an injury exemption, that, that the Wizards can now exercise, which would then make him pretty much done for the year, that they would still have to pay his salary, but then would have some salary for another player. Kyle, tell people the details of this because I know that you know. Well, the Wizards, they have to apply for this disabled player exception. And, um, you know, it would come with certain restrictions that, you know, the, it would give the Wizards an option of acquiring, like, uh, like another roster spot, essentially. But it can only be half of what uh, Webster's salary is. And what is that? Um, he, he's, he's set at $5.5 million this year, or around that, give or take. Uh, and so, you know, and Webster already had an interesting contract situation where if he didn't play like at least 70 games that he, you know, would only part of it would be guaranteed like almost less than half for next year. He'd get so, a full guarantee if he played 70 games, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, it would so be it was like five point right? seven or whatever, but only like two point whatever would be guaranteed next year. So, I mean, the, these are when you're when the Wizards want flexibility, everything adds up. But this is also, I think they can do something creative this year if they get approved for the the disabled player exception, which a, a league doctor has to evaluate Webster. It looks like I mean he's got a torn labrum in his hip. You know, he it's one thing that needs surgery. He tried everything from cortisone shots to special glasses, glasses. that would change his yeah. posture yeah, and not really like you know, not I guess put weight on the hip. So it, I mean, it's a, it's a bad thing. I, I could certainly see um, it would be interesting for, if a doctor said no, he's not out for the year. Um, so it but, will, but you, 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 the main the main thing that takeaway for me is like, why is doing this better than buying him out? Correct. Like, because because I would always say like, okay, buying them out, you know, get your know, salary, but this this creates more salary flexibility. And I think then the Wizards get the insurance money, right? Correct. I mean, it goes against the yeah, salary like cap, and they get the insurance takes money. In, right? um, yeah, that's certainly a factor. And and the thing is, it might be just as solid to as a franchise because the locker room respects Webster. I mean, he's I a like likable guy. You know, it's in this situation, luck. like, he can still be around a team. You're not saying, like, oh, well, we'll trade his contract. Buy you out. Yeah. Get, get it the hell out of here. We Here's money. Get away. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I think, and we'll see how this plays out, but I think they're sort of sensitive to how much of a locker room presence he is. And so the Wizards, have, they can sort of get creative, and I expect them to do something to address, you know, the inefficiencies that we see so far. They're just going to maybe allow them to play more game to see what bears out first. Rashad, uh, your, your thoughts on Mr. Mr. Unveil the Wizard, uh, Webster, and this kind of tragic ending uh, pretty much of his Wizards career. I don't see him coming back to this team ever again. And, 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 and also the second question is who, what kind of player... We can go through names. I don't want to go through names because we're about to wind this podcast down because I know you both have significant others to get back to. Uh, and I got a birthday party to get to as well. Uh, but Rashad, like, who is the type of player that you would want to see? Because once you start going through the names, you get depressed. So let's just say, what, you know, do they need another guard? Do they need a wing? Do they need a stretch four? Maybe athletic big. Your thoughts on Webster and where would you like to see this team possibly go from a player acquirement standpoint? Well, first, it just... It just sucks because I don't I don't know about you guys, but I followed him on Instagram and just a couple of days after the season was over, he just made a concerted effort to state it was kind of a mission statement for the summer. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get a certain amount of shots up. And he did that all summer. He saw him losing weight and working out. And you know, when you're on Instagram, you're only going to show the positive light of what you're doing. But it just felt like he was going to return or at least attempt to return to his glory days with the Wizards. And just right at media day, it was clear that he wasn't going to quite recapture that. And then he did all these things, like you all said, the special glasses and everything short of what Ray Lewis did to play in the Super Bowl to try to get back to where, you know, optimum performance level, and he never got there. So it's kind of sad. Um, even at the Bucks game in the locker room, I've been in the locker room and a lot of times he just gets dressed and rolls out and he was just making an effort to, you know, he was talking to Jorge, he was talking, he was joking around with Dolph, he was just being very lighthearted and so it was kind of sad, not even 12 hours later to see that he wasn't going to be playing for the season. And I think, you know, we all know that's a wrap for him. I don't expect to see him suit up for the Wizards again. So it's, it's, it's kind of sad. I, 
appreciate what he did in that one year. In terms of who's going to replace him, I don't know. I, I don't. I hope the Wizards don't rush to do something just because they can. I think the stretch four is the most obvious. But I, again, we're not going to name names. But who's out there that can just come into the stretch four slot and just pay dividends and not sit on the bench? You know, I don't. I don't know. I think that hopefully they they take some time and not make a knee-jerk decision and think about what's really going to benefit this team and do we want to do something before everyone gets healthy. I, I just think they should they should wait. And again. You all know better than me. How long can they wait before they have to do something? Yeah, yeah. It's, to go back to what you say about Webster, yeah, he was in really good shape. Uh, Clinton Yates with Washington Post went out and wrote a really good piece. I'm trying to get him on the podcast to talk about it, of him, his rap career and his music career. And, and he was like, man, he's like in this best shape of his life. He really was, I believe. And then he kind of, what did he get hurt in like the second practice? <laughs> like it was like right away. And such good spirits because we make all these emo Martell jokes the last couple of last couple of years and he was totally different I think you talked to him at at, uh, at media day and before we get into that Kyle like just just Martell and covering him because I think this like you said this could be a rap on him I, I don't want to make this sad again and make it an obituary but just I'm kind of like a because I think it's like yo I've been really critical of his defense and his injuries and I'm still I think maybe it was a mistake for Grumfield to give me that extension we can debate that in the future but I kind of like the dude as a person and it's Kind of, he. I think he maybe had one more shot this year to prove that contract or prove that he could still hit the three. Because last year he could not hit anything, and I think his back was the reasons why. Just, just your feelings and emotions—they're very conflicted for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I think Rashad captured it well. I mean, you got you have to think this is a guy who ended up being on the team. Like they didn't sort of get in contact with him until August before he came. He, you know, came in the training camp, played his way into it, became like one of those shooters around John Wall that. They were, you know, with the Wizards as an organization, as management, as coaches, as fans, were all thirsty for shooters. Shot like early 40%, Yeah, right? so like he came in, and you had to respect what he did. With the trend of the NBA going, I, I understood the contract at the time. It's not like a, you know, terrible contract at this point like they used to be, thanks yeah. to the rising That's salary true. cap. That's true. That's true. It's changed. Um, he had his defensive issues. We all know that. A lot of that's attributed to health because I remember the one thing about – in addition to his shooting, when he came to the Wizards, he became a lot better passer and rebounder compared to his numbers in Portland and Minnesota. So he, he really was part of, in, in his attitude, um, as sort of a someone who's a, a little bit of a comedian, a ham. He can keep the locker room loose. Um, he can also get serious. I mean, he, he is... Uh, like a well-read guy, he, he's you know he's just he's a, a, a good on. guy. I think yeah, so. so he's not defined by basketball, yeah. either, which is a very good perspective by some of these cats who've been defined by basketball since twelve years old. You know exactly, like, and so I, I think he, you know, it, it really sucks to see that that he made a wholehearted effort, got a new trainer, and that that has not worked out. And, and it's tough to see, you know, like if anyone has dedicates their life to something and you have a limited span in which you can do something I mean shit you can be a blogger or yeah. you know a lot of shit we do in our lives for a, a long number of years um, you know not to say that Martel's not in a good situation he hasn't made a lot of money he has a rap career he has other interests he'll be okay um, but you're right I think Rashad captured it well and, it, and it's just sort of tough to see him um, go through this issue in terms of what the Wizards yes. need yes. um I have to say, it's got to be a rim protector, someone who is in the paint playing defense. Because 
Yeah, I, I think Garrett Temple, we saw he had, has, he's had some good games starting for Beal. He can be all right. Maybe you play Oubre more. The Wizards have enough sort of guards and Anderson wings. Anderson comes back eventually, yeah, too. Yeah, Allen right? Anderson comes back. But what you really need is something. You know, it's not Dewan Blair. It's not Humphreys. It, you know, Nene has a limited service off the bench, although he could be very good. You need another big guy. I wish, like, I always see Hassan Whiteside for the Heat. I'm like, man, they just plucked him out of, like, nowhere no, almost. Right. And, and ten blocks in the night. Yeah, like, why Why couldn't the Wizards find a guy like that? Maybe they can, but it's just, that is, first of all, that's an, a great, uh, that's, a, that's an anomaly right there. But that's what they need, someone who can help them play defense and protect the rim. Especially with Nene's constant health issues, and not even just health issues, like, and it saves some of his minutes once again for the end of the year. And Gortad and, you know, Humphreys is playing outside. They kind of need some, I mean, t- they need some young, fresh legs. I mean, t- if you look at their, the one criticism I would really say about the roster makeup overall is just really, like, aside from, like, Wall and Oubre and Beal, there's no real athletic dudes on this team at all. <laughs> Everyone kind of plays below the rim, and, that, and that's okay if you play in the system, and that's fine. But I think maybe the, it's not like you just need some dude to throw an oop, like you need JaVel McGee or some type yeah. of player like that. Or, but you have they, lengthy guys yeah, like yeah, Otto Porter and Jared yes, Dudley, but they, they like Otto Porter is not like a supreme. No, I mean, no. he's awesome he's athletically he has, compared to yes. a regular guy, but... Yeah. You need a 6'9", six, 6'10", six, dude who can go in and block some shots and get some rebounds and not F up. And I think that that'd be an asset to go in and get two, three fouls because it's not Papa Blair. That's for damn sure. And, 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 and Rashad, and I would see maybe another guy that can shoot a three, whether that's a wing or a four. To me, the, those would be the two things. <laughs> whether or not they're out there and the money involved is a whole other situation. Uh, Rashad, to finish with you, do you, do you see the lack of athleticism uh, concerning at all, like I, like I mentioned? You know, at, at stretches against Milwaukee, it did seem a little bit problematic. They had the lineup where they had Henson in, and it just seemed like, you know, they were just overcome by his length and athleticism. But I don't, I don't think that's as big of an issue as, as Kyle said, as a rim protector and as someone who's actually comfortable in that stretch four position. I, I just think they have enough athleticism in the backcourt that they can kind of upset anything they don't have in the backcourt. Um, but again, I. It's, it's difficult to say what they need when they haven't had, I mean, Martel Webster notwithstanding, they haven't had everybody healthy. We don't know what kind of gaps that Alan Allen, Allen, yeah, right, Alan Anderson <laughs> is going to fill in. And so it's just, you kind of have to wait and see what you have, what everybody can do when healthy or at least healthier, and then make a decision based on that. And until... Bill is back, and we see what Alan Anderson can do. I, I just, I don't want to make a knee-jerk decision and say, yes, we need somebody who can shoot three, and then Alan Anderson comes and shoots lights out, and whoever we bring in is just sitting on the bench, and we're like, oh shit, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just kind of a wait and see, from, from uh, in my opinion. To finish this topic up, what do you think the decision we make, Kyle? Do they uh, have a while? You think, or when, they have well, to wait? They, they have to wait for the NBA? thing. It, they, like, you know, let's. Ernie Grunfeld has traditionally not been in a rush to make a move. <laughs> yes, again, we're we're only nine games into Correct. an eighty-two games, you know, season. So I think they've got a little bit of time. Like technically, I think they had like January fifteenth would be the the deadline to even submit to or apply this. for the exception. They already have done that. So 
you know, so we'll, Christmas we'll time ish, maybe beginning of the new year, Christmas time. So I guess we will revisit this topic at, at a later date. I'm sure we will. Okay, we will. We will end this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for everyone to come. Well, we have to. We have to address questions. Oh, we got uh, a do, you want, do you want questions? Yeah. yeah. We, we okay. Actually, couple, well, yeah. we put it out there that we we're yes. podcasting. Dude, so we have some to questions. check a couple of questions. Um, so Ben Standig, yes, what you what did you guys have for dinner? Uh, I had some pasta and some vegetables. I have not eaten yet. I need to go home and get right. dinner. It's quite late. <laughs> I think Rashad he tweeted that he had spinach, lime, uh, citrus, <laughs> tofu, mushrooms, flatbread, hummus. It was something elegant. Okay, let's get to the serious questions. Um, Patrick Shipley asked uh, thoughts on Temple and if he's sustainable. Um, he's not obviously not sustainable as a starting two guard, but I, I again, if we're talking about team needs, replacing Webster, Temple has carved out a nice role with his team. We do sometimes wonder why he's occupying occupying an NBA spot, but I think I, I like Eric Temple, especially if he continues to drive. He's really been a, a solid driver, and he continues to hit the three. He's knocked down a few shots, and uh, his pressure defense was very effective against the Bucks. What do you think, Rashad Temple? Sustainable? I mean, obviously, there are times when he's in, and I'm like, excuse my language, I'm like, why the fuck is he in there? But to watch the players on the bench, even starters, to watch their reaction to him doing something even that's a little bit good, you realize that he I mean, he's part of the heart of the team. And I think that you can't underestimate that everybody wants to see him do well. He plays hard. He plays defense. Occasionally he'll hit an open shot. He's definitely not a long-term solution, but you, you need a guy like that in your team. So, you know, I, I admire the fact that he could step in. And he did play badly against Milwaukee. I think he had like 10 points and he had a, a lot of open shots. He hustled on defense. So He played well against, against, for, against Orlando as well, I think. Okay, uh, the next question from Chandler Pridgen. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, does Wall have the leadership capability to elevate the Wizards to championship contender? Adam, what do you think? Uh, leadership, yes. They need Bradley, a healthy Bradley Beal for 80 games. <laughs> I think that has more than any leadership quality. I think you can make other players better around him, but you, have we seen you need another guy for a title? Exactly. I think... Leading takes a little bit of a village right now, and they're obviously missing and adjusting to life without Paul Pierce. But I think uh, Jared Dudley is one guy who, you know, is sort of a vocal guy. He can speak up. Drew Gooden is a little bit of that guy as well. Now, you know, it's a different story of Wizards are championship contender this year. Um, but I think Wall ultimately has proven himself from a man on the court to a guy in the community. He can assume that leadership that leadership role. Mr. Mobley. Yeah, I agree. When I when I watched that interview with Bradley Bill and Wall with Hannah Storm, there's just there's a confidence there. Um, not just on the court. If you notice when he makes a good play that that scowl is much more defiant in what he does. Um, but off the court, just that quiet confidence and I agree that Paul Pierce influenced them just in terms of the way they carry themselves and just kind of how demonstrative they are and their reaction. So, yeah, I think he's the leader on the court, but, again, the personnel has to match that. And right now, you know, I think they're still missing one thing, but I, I, I would never question his leadership. He or Bradley, Bradley Bill's leadership, I think they're right there. Sweet. Any more questions? We good? Um, well, Jake Whitaker asked, what problems can't Jared Dudley solve? <laughs> 
Um, uh, the red line on the metro? Yeah. <laughs> the, you're right. I, I, would, I would go with that. That's it. And there are a lot of problems in this world, thanks to social media for making us wear, and thanks to, like, Wizards and Basketball Twitter for allowing us to escape the problems of the world. Um, and then there's an inter- interesting question from, uh, this is, I'll just do his at handle, it's at TMM75, which episode of Real Housewives of Potomac features Rashad's cameo appearance? Can you tell us about that, Rashad? Okay, look. <laughs> I... I, I I grew up in Potomac. I went to high school in Potomac. Shout out to Winston Churchill. <laughs> also, the high school of Donnie Simpson, Ray Leonard, and Mark Mason, star running back from the University of Maryland. However, I don't want any part of the Real Housewives. I don't want my name affiliated with it. Believe me, I will have TMM, who also went to my high school. I will make sure that he gets touched. <laughs> I, but I will say that a friend of mine uh, and this is going to sound really, really masculine, but a friend of mine did makeup for one of the people who was on that show. So I will watch it, okay, but I will not be on it. And so I resent Kyle and Adam and whoever and TMM for implicating me in that to the point where I have to spend going on two minutes now ranting about some shit that I'm not even going to be on. So well, well, just to, you know, it does tie in because, what, former Wizards coach... Eddie Jordan's wife is on the show, and as well as Juan Dixon's wife, if I'm not mistaken. There are two Wizards wow. connections. I, I is that know. right, Rashad? Yeah, th- just give us a scoop. I think <laughs> Mr. Dish. Can you give us it? That, that, that is true. And whoa, 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 whoa. that's true. Going, shit. When I was younger, Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning lived not too far from me. And I, you know, I, I, it was an honor for me to see them at the grocery store and, and shit like that. But <laughs> overall, I do not support the watching of any of these television shows. <laughs> Neither do I, so uh, we, I, we I understand. I have a bunch of inappropriate things, a bunch of things I would want to say about uh, that I just can't. But Eddie Jordan... Of course you do. Okay, okay Eddie Jordan and who else? Yeah, uh, Juan, Juan Dixon's, Dixon's wife. And they're Eddie one of those. Jordan's they're wife. the main girls on the show. No, there's like five. I, I and there, think. And there are two of them. And and of course, I'm I'm like revealing that I know this. They Kai, it was your wife it was this? no through his it's Tweet Deck. Tweet I blame Deck. Tweet Deck, and I think the Rashad, Washington I need Post. more details. Don't yada yada over this. I need some juice. No, I'm we can't. Out. I'm tapped out. I'm yeah, too much, too much juice right, right now. Uh, too, too much juice. For, for another day, another podcast. This has been a monster podcast. I love the enthusiasm. That uh, you guys have brought to 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 this show, it's been one of our best ones. Thank you so much, Rashad, for coming. To everyone listening, yell at us on iTunes reviews and Stitcher and whatnot. Email us, tweet us, all that good jazz. Uh, Rashad's got a really nice piece up uh, about the Bucks game, and I have one as well at truthabot.net. Uh, we'll be publishing and promoting this as well, and I got another video to put up. The schedule coming up for for the team. Uh, they play the Pistons in Detroit. Uh, on Saturday, then they go back to back at home versus the Pacers at the Hornets. They get uh, Thanksgiving off, I believe, right? And right. then they play yeah. uh, at the at, in Boston on Black Friday. Their second trip to Boston already in November, which is another weird part of the schedule. And then uh, Saturday night at home against the Raptors. So five games in seven days. I think we'll we'll really have a lot to chew on after those five games, Kyle. Anything in, in closing? No, those are all. You know, competitive teams. The East is a little bit competitive now. Yeah. Gortat versus Drummond coming up on Saturday. Paul George. The Hornets, yes. you know, they 
they've got talent. Celtics already clean. You know, Raptors are doing well. I really thought they were going to beat the Warriors the other night. Yes. They were close. Um, so that uh, that's repeat a, of the playoffs that gets swept. They yeah. might have one motivation. Coming so that back. that's so that's we'll be at the 15 game mark. Maybe that's a better judge of where the Wizards will be instead of the 20 game mark. We can judge them after every game too. Oh, I well. love to we judge. Always do. I love to judge. It's one of my favorite what activities. Uh, Rashad, do you have any last words for the people before I play uh, one of your favorite songs? Yes. The Friday, November 27th game against the Celtics, to me, is one of those games where you have to have a little bit of pride. If you notice, the second time the Memphis Grizzlies played Golden State after they got blown out by 50, it was a bit of a chippy game. They kept it close. And so I, I would hope that somebody on the Wizards would tell them, look, we got blown out. We got embarrassed. We have to win this game, so I'll be very curious to see how they're reacting to that game. Yeah, they, they definitely should get get up for that one, right? I agree. Rashad, you're the man. Mr. Weed Eyes. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Bill uh, Weathers. Bill Weathers is going to carry us out of this. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, have a good one. Go Wiz. Wizards use me up. I like I like this one, Rashad. When I look at you, and the world's alright with me. It always makes me a good mood. It always makes me feel good. It feels like a cool breeze. Just wait, yeah.